BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. How well everybody's heard about the bird. Grown men watch this shit. A podcast about indie wrestling. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to. Uh, hmm, I forgot how to do this. It's been a while. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm attempting what? to clumsily throw to you for the show intro, sir. Oh, um, what is this show called? Oh, yeah. Grown men watch this shit. And are you listening to this shit? We sure hope so. We sure hope so. Man, it, uh, you're right. It's, it's been a hot minute, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. And, uh. We had the world fall apart. We had some relationships fall apart. It did. We've had the world of wrestling turn into a total shit show. Uh, It's been pretty outrageous. Yeah. Complete hotbeds of wrestling pretty much dead. It's a a crazy time. Uh, But, yeah, nothing nothing really relevant has has happened. Um, I guess I should... Open with, um, so so the reason this time th- that uh, we've had what a little little three month delay between shows I don't know maybe yeah, more well. who knows I don't even know anymore this one's on me listeners um, I uh, just got in a, a funk I think um, you know the, the all of the the things that we were just talking about. Um, and yeah, just didn't want to record a show. Um, I mean, I don't know. How how did you feel with that friend? Um, I found it hard to be upbeat about just bullshitting about wrestling, especially with shows, the wrestling shows not being good, but also I knew you were going through some stuff, so I'm not going to 
press. And there's been times where I was incapable of doing shows for whatever reason. And I understand that situation uh, can occur for any individual. So, yeah, no big deal. Plus, it's not like we're getting paid the big bucks to do this. This is a labor of love. We're just Wait, doing this for what? the hell of it. Are the guys not paying you what they're paying me? Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, I'm off the show, I suppose. Yikes. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I just quit the podcast. Off the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yes, for, for our listeners at home, I'm not uh, not afraid to say that, that I've been in a bit of a funk for a couple of reasons, but a big one of which that I was I was attempting to deal with a breakup. You know, and these things happen. These things happen to us all. We can all relate to that. But, like, this was, like, the worst one of my life. It was so weird. And, um, yeah, like, I, I felt kind of weird in that, like, every, all of, every song that I listened to and all of, like, that kind of, um, you know, romance genre – uh, it's just recreating these these moments of heartbreak and that, and you're so used to seeing them that like you kind of just put them off a little bit. You're just like, oh yeah, that's just a breakup. But then sometimes when you're when you're dealing with it yourself, you're like, fuck, I can't do anything right now. I just feel awful. Right. It's so strange. Because uh, yeah, I um was not expecting it, I guess, and it just felt really weird to be constantly whining to everyone about it because I'm like, oh, fucking, you know, everyone's been through this. They know what it's like. You know, it shouldn't be a big deal. But, yeah, so I guess it was a bit weird trying to, like, talk to people about it at first because I felt, like, weird and needy and, like, you know, when you try to latch onto people and you feel kind of desperate. Um, but then I did, and honestly, the thing, the best part out of all of it was just seeing how many really fucking good friends I have who were, were there to support me, you know? Yeah, man, for sure. And it never hurts to talk about it, and don't feel worried about sounding whiny. We all are allowed to sound whiny at our time, so kind of yeah. gives us uh, all benefit of the doubt in the long run, you know? You're going to whine eventually. I'm going to whine eventually. Let's just deal with it and support one another. Yeah, indeed. And that's my, my biggest advice out of all of it uh, to all of our listeners out there. All of our listeners out there. Um, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about reaching out for a friend when you need them. Because most of your friends will want to be there for you. And to yeah. be the ones that would not want to be there for you when you reach out like that, I don't think it's worth really worrying about their judgment, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. I was just, like, so su – not surprised because I shouldn't be surprised, but, like, it just feels so nice when you have, like, so many kind of friends. That what the like. hell is this? I have feelings. Yes. Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Feel it. Where'd they come from? <laughs> <laughs> just that. Uh, so yeah, listeners, don't be afraid to reach out if you're ever going through shit. Don't feel like, oh, I don't want to bother people with my bullshit. You know, people want to be bothered with your bullshit. Uh, and it'll make you feel a heck of a lot better by talking about it rather than just uh, bottling it up and feeling like you're the, the only person in the world going through this because you are not. You are definitely not. Mm, yes.
so yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Um, like I said, everyone's kind of been through a breakup before, so it's not like anything like earth shattering. Um, but yeah, sometimes they can just take you by surprise, I guess, and you can be surprised at how much you uh, can be fucked up by something that's seemingly so normal. Man, uh, I always get wrecked. Like mm-hmm. the one, the times where I don't get wrecked is just because I'm like trying to put on a good face so the person doesn't know I'm wrecked, not wrecked. Like I'm gonna just. But chin does that up actually work and... for you personally? Like if you're trying to like not, not uh... only only if you allow yourself to get angry about the situation. Don't pine. If you're pining, then it sucks. Wait, so if you're, you're mad, the anger part is is helpful or not? Oh, certainly. If you if you find a reason why not to even want to like the person anymore or be friends with them, yeah, it makes it way easier. If you're still in, like, good friends with them and pining after them and, like, you know, think about all the good times, no, that's, that takes forever to make it, you feel better. You have to be like, <laughs> you know what? Fuck this person. And sometimes it takes that person doing something shitty for you to then be like, okay, cool. Mm. Yeah, fuck you. I'm done. I mean, yeah, that was that was a big part of it for me, I think, and it made it so much harder. Because even now, I still can't um, think ill of the person. Like, I don't blame them whatsoever. Uh, it was just like a situation that was like, oh, yeah. What if I told you they were a flat earther? Oh, I'm a pretty forgiving person when it comes to <laughs> flat earthers. <laughs> <laughs> Got a soft spot in my heart for a good flat. Yeah, well, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, no, I was just like, I, I don't blame her whatsoever. And yeah, the, the tricky part was just like sort of the acceptance of it in that sense, I guess. Well, because you, you don't have the closure of just like being able to be like, yeah, fuck them. Um, so yeah, I think that was something to, to sort of deal with as well. But, you know. These things happen. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so, Fark, how about you, man? What What have you been up to since we recorded our last show in your, your personal life? I'm guessing a bit of isolating? Yep, yep. I have been socially isolating. Like only going to the grocery or uh, maybe like a, a big box store to grab some things, but... Uh, wasn't really wearing a mask at first, but really staying away from people. But now I'm wearing a mask. Mm. And then recently they made it it required. So it's not really a question of whether or not if, if I want to go into a store, I got to wear it. So I got a sweet Pentagon Junior mask because you got to look cool. Or I might look like, a, to me, I think I look cool. Other people might look at me like, look at this nerd with a sequently <laughs> like luchador mask on. <laughs> Walking I mean, around got, in the grocery store. You've got some pretty amazing masks there. I've also seen you selling some pretty amazing masks as well. Oh, yes. On the T-Public page, I put up basically just a bunch of uh, facial hair of different wrestlers. And the sizing is just like just as slightly off where it's a little bit big. <laughs> and it makes it hilarious looking. It really it's so does. great. Oh, I yeah. can't, can't make up my mind whether the uh, the Rick Rude one or the Jake one is my favorite, but two fabulous <laughs> moustaches there. Yes, indeed. As, uh, 
who was it? I think it was Simon Grimm or whatever. Yeah, the guy formerly from the WWE, the Vaudevilles. He's like, you got to put uh, Muda up there. So I put Muda up there, his sweet little gray goatee. So, yeah, if you want one of those, just go to... Uh, Wait, you didn't T-Pump. go with the face paint for Muda? Well, no, because it was going all... The, the motif was all facial hairs. So I was going with the, oh. the famous facial hairs of wrestlers. I see, I see. And Muda face paint would just be like, Red face and painted lips. Feel like, what the hell's going on here, dude? <laughs> I feel like it would be quite, quite a striking look. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I saw this one website that was selling. Uh, you can get masks printed of your lower face, so it doesn't look like you're even wearing a mask. Technically, <laughs> that is hilarious, dude. That it is so honestly funny. like one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I was, was the ad had all these people like rocking him. I was like, oh my god, that is so goofy but amazing. Yeah, shit, man, that's nuts. I um, <laughs> I mean, I haven't. We we're pretty lucky over here in in Brisbane. I feel like we're in one of the luckiest places in the world when it comes to this. Um, because we're sort of like dwindling down to uh, you know, one or two cases a day reported. Um, are you guys staying not are like shops open or restaurants yeah, open yeah, and all that? Yeah, opening back up. We we first had like only ten people allowed in a room for like a bar or a cafe. Then it was twenty, um, and then just this weekend it's been updated to to fifty. And they they're having like um, rugby games and stuff where they they're having like people but spaced out. So like kind of like oh, a couple man. thousand people in like a in like a sixty thousand seat venue. So it's like that sounds like a recipe for a resurgence of Corona. No, well, actually, Brisbane, baby, in Brisbane, they've actually been good about it, and they've only sort of like raised these once that you know those numbers are really consistently down, and like they have zero number days. And yeah, as far as I can see, it hasn't. um, We haven't had anything up here. Melbourne, on the other hand, um, but get this: so you know the amount that you guys have been stressing out about, like per day reporting. Melbourne sure. got bumped up to 66 new cases in one day, yesterday or today or something. And they, like, launched into action. They're going back into shutdown. It's, like, crazy. And that's, like, 66 new cases a day. Like, how many uh, How many did you have in Florida <laughs> the other day reported? Yeah. The Floridians are maniacs. They're idiots. They're going to, like water parks and going just having a great old time and they're like oh uh oh shit we're all sick again okay bring it reel it back in reel it back in it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah and you guys are about to have like fucking seven thousand people go uh watch fireworks with no masks all close together at the fucking the donald trump thing yeah, they're lighting fireworks all the fucking time it's ridiculous yeah i um I feel like fireworks, unless they're in a wrestling setting, I don't want to see them. Yeah. I, uh, I, I honestly, that's fun and all, but I'm okay even without it. Like, it's cool and you really notice it when it happens, like, because it rarely does. But at the same time, I'm cool with the wrestling show not having fireworks. Really? I get, like, it's, it's gotten to the point where it was kind of like when there wasn't much blood used in mainstream wrestling for a long time, and then you mm-hmm. finally see some blood, and you're like, oh, that's cool, to where I got to, like, actually appreciate the fireworks again, at least in a wrestling context. 
I think uh, once Kevin Nash uh, had all of the fireworks that night on WCW, um, I feel I think like Jericho's that got killed. the Nash contract when it comes to the pyro lately. I noticed him this week, those fireworks went for fucking forever. You remember that one episode of Nitro when Nash comes out with the title belt and they go like for like 10 minutes? Like the, the yeah, fireworks yeah, just someone keep made going. A, I feel like someone made a gif on it on uh, Twitter recently and it's just so great. It's the best. Like, Nash is me, me. Oh, by the way, big news, Kevin Nash related. He unblocked me on Twitter, but good big yeah, deal. I, congr- I remember congratulating you, congratulating <laughs> you on that one, my friend. Congratulations, eat me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was it was a big, big, significant news. I'm pretty sure we've talked in the past about you being blocked by him, and whoa. Yeah. And I think my big thing was like, whatever you do, man, don't fuck this up. You've got a second chance. Yeah, I asked him what his favorite lemonade. I tried to, you know, test the waters to see how things are going, but no reply. Uh, I think I'll keep up the the lemonade conversation. Me and Kev just hanging out, drinking lemonade. Cool, king of the no cell. (laughs) Yep, didn't put me over a bit, man. He, uh, the the funny reason he unblocked me is, uh, I had that tweet about that lady in America flipping out because she saw an NWO shirt in. At Walmart and thought that Walmart was preaching or pushing a a new world order, one world government thing, and she's like flamed it out on her Facebook, like, look at this, they're selling this in the Walmart, and then people like, uh, that's actually a wrestling thing, so I posted it, I go, if she's worried about the NBO, wait till she hears about the X Factor, and somebody had tagged, enough people apparently had tagged Kevin, he's like, I gotta see what the fuck this guy is saying. So he unblocked me just to look at this damn thing. And then I guess he was too easy to get after it. Yeah, yeah. He he couldn't be bothered. That's how cool he is. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Pretty pretty cool dude, right there. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, so exciting! Your relationship breaking up, me mm-hmm. and Kev getting back together. It's oh, right. What a world! What a world! I mean, that's kind of how the world works, you know. It's like one tree. Brussels and then the leaf blows onto something, knocks over a domino, and then on the other side of the world, you and Kevin Nash become best friends. Yeah, whatever. That's pretty neat. <laughs> I'm pretty happy with myself that I was able to connect the dots of that metaphor. When I started, it felt like it was a long way away from... Hey, I was I was along for the journey. We got a Sherpa, and we made it there. <laughs> we did. Oh... <laughs> Did you smoke before the show today? Yeah, always a little. Always bit. nice. How Was much? it noticeable? No, I um I did three bowls and I'm like a little bit. That that was a appropriate amount, but like maybe on a little bit of the deep end of appropriate. Yeah, I just started actually smoking regular marijuana recently. I'm trying to get off the dabs for. It's they're they're just so potent. I don't get like. No one does dabs over here. It's a very American they're, they're... thing. They're way better, but they're making me cough and make me clear my throat all the time. I'm always like, <laughs> and well, I, that doesn't sound obnoxious. No, it's not good. So I started doing regular marijuanas, and I'm enjoying it. Like just in a bong? Yeah, in a bong. I got myself a new little bong. It's like I a, got it looks like a, a new little bong. Yeah, man. Oh, right now, right now, I'm friends. smoking on, smoking on a little bit of the purple punch, and it makes me think of uh, Biodome, the purple sticky punch. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Bio, any Biodome fans out there? 
I bet there is. Yep, someone's putting their hand up. We we hear you. We see that. I see you. Finger. I see you there. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, I um, that's that's real funny. I got like a new little bong. Like I thought it was too small, and it's kind of like like sucking a dick. It's like just a little dick-sized bong, and. Um, <laughs> Like, to start with, it was so small, I didn't even think it was, like, a bong. I just thought it was a pipe. But then, like, I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I saw that a little thing went down. And I was like, oh, yeah. And, um, put a little water in there? Yeah, yeah. Put a little bit of water in there. Put a little, um, a little, what's that little tray thing called? Do you use a tray? Oh, a screen? Yeah, screen. I feel like I you'd be not. a maniac. What? You don't? How? Wouldn't you like pipe get constantly like full of shit? Yeah, you just have to clean the water regularly, man. I clean the just water be regularly. Be but... diligent. That's all it takes. Oh, get some screens, dude. They're like fifty cents. I don't like to smoke through metal. That's why I buy glass. Really? Well, listeners, I'd I'd like to create a poll at some point. <laughs> <laughs> see how screen many people no actually use screens or how many don't I feel like it's we're one screening, of those things we're screening for screen use <laughs> Ooh, see what you did there I feel like it's one of those things where either camp that you're in you'd be a little bit outraged by the other camp I feel I, when I brought this home I'm like look at the liche it's got an ice catcher she's like what yeah an <laughs> ice catcher there's these little dimples in the in the the tube on the bong, so you can put some ice cubes in there. She's like, why would you want to do that? It's like, refreshing as fuck. Yeah, because bongs are hot, and this makes it cool. And just like the cool smoke going down your throat, like it's a nice well, feeling. It's delightful. Very delightful. I forgot how like regular marijuana smoking feels, because honestly, dabs kick your ass. You're just kind of like, all right, cool, I'm stoned. This is more like, all right, I'm chill, I'm high, but mm. I'm not like dumb. I still can like operate either way but it's just less der yeah it's hilarious that you're saying about the the purple haze <laughs> purple sticky punch is what i got or purple no, punch yeah, is I'm, what was... I'm thinking of fucking kevin sullivan and the the purple haze <laughs> yeah good old and mark lewin yeah yeah mark lewin i was struggling a little bit i'm like what's his name again yeah dude yeah. And uh, woman is part of that crew as well. Who else did we have? She was like Dark Angel at the time, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. I like, who was the dude that was the fucking amazing wrestler in Mid South, like actual like Olympic level amateur wrestler? Bob Roop. Bob Roop was part of it, wasn't he? Honestly, I don't know all the Dark Family, unfortunately. It's either Bob Roop or someone really like Bob Roop, like that same sort of amateur singlet type of thing but then he like shaved off half of his head to be part of the sullivan family shit i just want to go back and watch like old florida wrestling now i wonder how many more wrestlers would we get like pushed if they go hey uh do you guys want to do an angle where we cut my hair and they're like oh okay all right that is a cool thing to do during a wrestling show now we just have to write a storyline that you're willing to do it do you think that'd be possible i think so do you think that's yeah. what Luna did? Because she Maybe. was like, that's where she started, wasn't that? Was part of the the Ke Kevin Sullivan family too? Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. Because she was like, just... I mean, I still found her like way attractive with like her sort of more famous look. I was like, yeah, I remember as like a teenage kid. I was and the first time I saw her, I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's hot. Yeah, um, she's like a hot and badass chick. 
Yeah, but then you see pictures or like footage of her like when before, and she just like looked like a just traditionally beautiful fucking woman. What a pretty lady! But yeah, I have big love for for Luna. I feel like she definitely didn't get enough like respect. I mean, she doesn't like now. Like, it's so many motherfuckers like singing fucking Joni Laura like China's praises. She was never a fucking good wrestler. Everyone just like puts her over for fucking uh. Um, but like, you never hear people like singing the praises of like Luna Vachon or like um Sherry Martel. Like, to me, they are like so much better than fucking China. Yeah, me, I mean, Alicia, we remember we dressed up as Bam Bam and uh. And yeah. Luna, because you yeah, know what? Yeah. That's an awesome wrestling couple. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Luna's definitely underrated. It's a lot of there's people throw that word around a lot, but I think it applies to her because she was definitely utilized correctly, but nobody really necessarily saw how great she really was. Like I feel like like her and Sherry were like way more the like what's that fuck? They paint China with the brush of being this like you know woman that like fucking broke boundaries and all this fucking shit just because like vince russo booked like guys to lose to her but like, yeah i feel like in reality like people like luna and sherry were like really doing that a heck of a lot more than like as much as everyone puts over china for it well sherry just was like in a league of her own she could do everything she was an amazing wrestler she could was amazing on the mic she could sing Come on, uh, pretty famous singing. <laughs> pretty famous singing voice there. She was yeah. awesome. Like I even like I like I think I like her in her like older years the most. Like I mean, obviously the run with with Randy Savage, holy shit, so great. Um, but then the one even like with her in Harlem Heat, like I always thought she was one of the oh. things I'd look forward to the most when I was watching Harlem Heat wrestle. Yeah, dude. Every tag team she was with was awesome. Her, when she joined up with Macho, like, it really made even Macho Man even cooler, mm-hmm. which is hard to say. Like, Sherry and Macho was way cooler. Well, it was, like, so good because Sherry is just the complete opposite of Elizabeth, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, man. I think I originally got onto this from talking about Mark Lewin and the purple haze. But what did you say yours was? The purple juicy something uh well the actual brand the the brand that we have here is purple punch but it reminded me of purple sticky punch from again the movie biodome bringing it back around holly shore thinking how funny it is it's like oh this you've got your your purple punch over here while i've got my fancy uh got from a friend of a friend weed that no one knows what the fuck it is because that's what it's still like buying weed in brisbane i can't imagine i mean just (laughs) travel back like 12 years 12 years that's exactly what it's like for us oh yeah i've I've got to the point where i had to start selling it because i was buying too much marijuana it's like i need to bring these prices down by selling some of this weed to some of my friends yeah yeah i mean i get it from a friend that's like that and he like we just smoked together, and he's like, well, I just found that I had enough friends that were, like, asking me, where can I get some? And I was like, oh, well, I may as well get some just to sell to these guys to make it easier. Yeah. Yeah, but apparently something just passed the other day that um, to where, like, you can get pretty much anything, um, any medical condition, it can be prescribed up here in Brisbane now, which is a pretty big deal. Like, I got uh, 
old navel ache like weed. <laughs> yeah, man. I, uh, you know, sometimes feel like I just don't eat for a while. So could I please get one of those little prescriptions? Yeah, I think that'll work out nicely for me. Yeah, but I'm, um, I kind of want to do it just to see what my, like, range options are, if I have one, and I can get it from a dispensary over here. Like, I mean, it's nowhere near going to be up to my expectations from, like, our beautiful times in L.A. I still think that's my favorite dispensary of all time, that one in Silver Lake, by the way. Oh, yeah, that was nice. And what a delightful experience. Right? And that fucking spin the wheel, make a deal? Yeah, that was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, so you got a free pre-roll. Or you got a free candy. <laughs> so great. Hey, did, did we get the I hoagies needed... after it? What did I we believe have? so. I think it was hoagies. No, we didn't because we had John with us, and John doesn't appreciate hoagies, remember? Oh, yeah, the sandwich debate. Yeah. Hang on. Speaking of food, my food just arrived. I'm going to grab this real quick, and I'll be right back, okay? Okay, all right. In the meantime, you can either edit this in or leave it in or discuss something. I will. In the meantime, I'll explain to people the thrilling sandwich debate that we had with John. So where to me, like, just, just so you know, listeners, maybe it's because I live in Australia and we, like, don't have as many great sandwich options as you guys do. But to me, like, a well-done hoagie is just one of the best things in the world, honestly. Like... Just truly magical, like to me, like going to a Jewish deli and like getting just like a really nice sandwich with some pastrami, corned beef, mustard, pickles, you know, all of the things. Uh, It's just a life-changing experience. Uh, Jeremy uh, kind of shared um, this appreciation. Uh, Just like, yeah, man, fuck yeah, hoagies can be amazing. Um, But John... On the other hand, and I don't want to put put you know bad words in his mouth, but I feel like he would uh, he would still agree with this, but he just could not see the um, the value in in a hoagie. He's like, that's a sandwich. I can make a sandwich at home. What? I mean, I don't know if you're listening to this, John. Uh, if if you are, please send me a, a message immediately. <laughs> but I'm back. I could. I was just explaining the hoagie versus sandwich uh, dilemma of uh, John not appreciating them. Oh yeah, what the hell? Yeah, and like he's like, it's a sandwich. I can make that at home. I'm like, you could not. Like, I, I don't know about his hoagie skills. Maybe he's got some just like amazing five star hoagie skills over here. But to me. The best sandwich places that I've been to, like these really nice delis and stuff, like I am not going to be able to make anything approximating the quality of that hoagie. You know what I'm saying? No, definitely not, especially with the quality meats. Like I'm not going to go take my time to get three nice salamis to make a sandwich for myself. I might, might buy one. Mm. I mean, the thing but even I'm not, if I did, I'm not going to have the the skills to put it together in the exact way that you know half of these these hoagie places where they've like perfected it over like 20 years. Like, I'm not going to have those skills. Yeah, I don't have the skills to have eight specialty sandwiches in my house on the menu. <laughs> yeah, and they're all good. Yeah. Oh man, I really want a hoagie now. What I, I got is KFC. Oh. I had wings the other night. Had some really nice buffalo wings the other night. Chicken is great, man. Uh, I've been craving KFC forever, so I'm finally going to do it, and then I don't have to have it for quite a while. Good, good. You know what I've been craving? Hmm. 
some fucking like do you have many good like Korean wings places over there? Um yeah, but I don't necessarily do a lot of Korean food. Oh, missing out, man. It's one of my favorite cuisines. Um I do love me some bulgogi. Is that Korean? Yep, yep, yep. Uh, bulgogi beef. Um mm-hmm. you get your bibimbap bowls and stuff. Oh delicious but yeah my favorite is the the wings like they're real super crunchy like just hard deep fried and like some of my favorite places to go to over here you can get like all you can eat wings and they have like eight different flavors of them so you get like wasabi mayo and like honey mustard and like the oh that sounds bomb spicy korean um like flavor and like barbecue and all sorts of shit so good that's what i've been craving lately no, no, now I want wings. Yeah, it's kind of one of my like our traditional guy group get together things when my buddy Josh comes up from Sydney and it's like, all right, we have to do the all you can eat wings. Have to complete the the rat dog crew tradition. But yeah, I could really go for some wings right now, dude. <laughs> Damn right. You wouldn't be able to tell that I have smoked any of the marijuanas today, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, sir. Oh, another cool development Hmm. is I started working on uh, a comic book with my buddy, John. It's a wrestling-themed comic book, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We just were writing or coming up with some stuff for the storyline today. Um, We're going to have this guy. You're familiar with Craven the Hunter? Uh, like Spider-Man? The, yeah, I was going to say from Spider-Man. He had this... So we're going to have a guy um, like that, like a big game hunter character, kind of like Jake the Snake Roberts, but he's got big game, so he comes around with like a rhino or... Wasn't that like, like a rhino? No, but he didn't actually have a live rhino with him. Uh, not Did for he my ride memory. a rhinoceros? They gave the vibe that he could if he wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. you, made me, you almost made me choke on my chicken Oh wow That sounds erotic No I meant really Literally I have a chicken sandwich I was choking <laughs> Oh dear that wouldn't have been good I wouldn't have been able to give you the fucking Heimlich maneuver we just would have witnessed Your grisly death Live on podcast I would have yelled for I would been struggling and walking out to Alicia. Help me! <laughs> Pounding my chest. Doing the big exaggerated, trying to give yourself the Heimlich maneuver thing. I'm always a fan of when I see that on TV shows. Yep. And it's gonna, the comic book, I started working already on the, some graphics for the character. So if it gets popular, we're just gonna like, you know, make wrestler looking t shirts for these characters for nerds to buy. That's cool, man. That's fun. Yeah, I'm a big fan of when um, comic books and wrestling come together. I feel like the best example of just like that done better than ever before was the early 90s where we got those Sting comic books that still the excerpts of that are like some of the best things I've ever seen. Hell yeah. So good. I just like, I want to somewhere be able to buy just all of those Sting comics but I feel like that would be so rare and difficult to find I I do have a buddy, Ethan HD Hmm. he runs a comic book shop, I can see if he can get his hands on these items yeah yeah I read a um, I read a a, a article 
on him running that comic book store and some of the trials and tribulations over the years and him living the life of being a, a wrestler and also a comic book store owner. It was very good. Oh, you have to forward that to me. I probably missed that or I saw it and I just never had time. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. He uh, came across as a really nice dude. Yeah, he's great. Right, that's that's one of those interesting things, like sort of the connection between wrestling fans and comic book fans. Like, what do you think? Do you think there's like a 60, 80% crossover there? Maybe more so even. Because uh, honestly, it's like it's They're so easily nerds, right? comparable. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny story about Ethan. The other day, uh, I reposted a post by Ethan mm. talking about uh, Black Lives Matter and some guy came at him like, what do you mean, we? You're not a member of Black Lives Matter. Why do you care? The guy apparently thought he was all ego Ethan Page. Or, yeah, he thought Ethan, Ethan HD was Ethan Page and was wondering why this white guy was <laughs> preaching about Black Lives Matter and, and saying we. It was so... I couldn't believe it was happening. I showed it to both the Ethans. Everyone got a really good kick out of it. Like, the internet, this guy gets all pressed about the situation. <laughs> He has no idea what's going on. I really hope there was a big obvious, oh, my bad, at one point. Yeah. Yeah, I go, I think you're thinking of a whole different individual. Because he goes, I go, he's not, because he goes, I thought he was Canadian and a white guy. And I go, he's not Canadian, and he's not a white guy. He's a mixed race. And he goes, I don't know, I saw him on Egos Amigos, and he looked pretty white to me. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you're talking about a different individual altogether, also named Ethan. Apparently there is uh, you, you can't be called Ethan in wrestling without being confused. You should really yeah. tear it down. So I guess what all Ethans look alike apparently. E- well, who have we got? We got EC three. Was he? Is he an Ethan? <laughs> yeah, he's Ethan. Yeah, Ethan uh, Carter, Carter the third, right? Yeah. Um, Ethan Page. Ethan Page. Ethan, Ethan, Ethan uh, HD. HD. Any others? Any other? Ethans I bet there is. None, none spring to mind. Have you, are you um, familiar with like the wrestling name game? Uh, is it the one where you either come up with another one of the same letter or what? I think or you the end letter? Go through the alphabet and you have yeah. to try to name one, um, and like it goes around the circle, and sure. so like, and sometimes people can pass or whatever. But then sometimes like you have yours memorized what it's going to be, and then like someone else takes it and you're like. And then at the last minute, you're trying to think of like this other name, uh, letter, wrestler name, and it's like, it can be pretty funny. We should do it on the show. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll just have like a full on smoking up edition where uh, yeah. it's just us laughing for 45 minutes at our the, shit. At the other show I was on, I was like, hey guys, for 420, can we just get really really baked or for the episode 420 because that's what they're coming up to can we just get really baked on that show and they're like yes yes indeed like i came along this spot this party right on time right on time and rest assured we're not going to make this a a marijuana centric podcast now since me and chris are both smoking weed at me but i was uh, gonna suggest we do (laughs) (laughs) i was thinking about we don't necessarily have to be so easy 
since indie wrestling is filled with such dirtbags, maybe we we don't want to be indie wrestling centric so much anymore. It's hard to talk about oh, when Brit wrestling All falls wrestling apart. There's so many dirtbags. Stop being so huh? surprised. All wrestling is full of dirtbags. Oh, I'm not surprised. This is gross. <laughs> I just did a Google of Ethan Wrestler. Guess who mm. came up number one? Uh, not one of the ones we named? Yep, Ethan Page. It, it didn't even, oh. like, it just went straight to his Wikipedia. Like, at the top of the page. That's unfortunate. All right, then number two that I'm He's seeing is the Ethan Carter the third. Mm. Oh, we've got an Ethan. Oh, wait, no, hang on. I'm just real high. Um, then we're back to Ethan Page. Let's see how far in the results I have to go down to see the next one. That's kind of humiliating. Why are we doing this? <laughs> oh, we've got an Ethan Woods. I think he's um, part of the Stanford University wrestling team. Who's this character? Ethan Hayes, University of Virginia Athletics. Ethan Smith from Ohio State in the Buckeyes. Um, no Ethan HD, huh? I'm sorry, Ethan HD. We were putting you over before, but apparently, search engine op optimization-wise, there's some some room to work here. I think there's some manipulation by Google to hinder the results because of, of such strong support of Black Lives Matter. It's clearly that Google Ooh. is Antifa. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Any any time you want to like create some sort of um, can't even remember the word conspiracy theory. Yeah, conspiracy theory. I'm on board with all conspiracy theories. Everyone. Uh, <laughs> they're all fun. They're all great. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, I still haven't found Ethan HD. I've been scrolling for like ten pages. I'm outraged. I think you're right. This is definitely Google um, showing their Republican leanings here. I wonder if it's manipulated uh, due to geocoding. Maybe he's blocked out of Australia. I think that's what it is. What, did he, did he get cancelled over here? Did he do something bad? Oh, you know. I don't know. You're right. I'm looking at it on my end, too. It looks like he's cancelled in America. I'm envisioning a, a similar um, police uh, account like Hoovy at the Brisbane, uh, in the city in the Brisbane that time. Remember hearing about that? Oh, when he flipped out? Yeah. When he like, shit? got naked and was like fighting with police, like punched a woman policeman and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. The juice yeah. is loose. The juice was very loose on that occasion. <laughs> Oh gosh, how nuts is it that he's like still wrestling to this day and looks like he hasn't aged a day? Because he's got the right doctors and he's an incredibly talented guy, man. I think it's just the juice is always good. He's got the juicy juice. He's just yeah. you know that that juicy juice is actually comes from like the water fountain of time. What's the name? What's the <laughs> thing I'm looking for? <laughs> Fountain of Youth, uh, the Fountain of Youth. There you go, the Water, water Fountain of Time. <laughs> it's like the new movie. It's the sequel to Hot Tub Time Machine, The Water Fountain of Time. I feel like, is that good enough for us to name this episode of the podcast, Matt? Yes, indeed. All right. Write it down. I am. Water 
fountain of time. People like, like listen it. to the show. They're gonna say these guys sound especially stoned, but we're always weird. So don't let's not let's not get twisted. We're always weirdos. It's not just now. Yeah, there. I think it's just there's no one like directing the ship right now because I'm pretty loose. So, but I mean, I feel like our listeners like that. I don't know. Maybe every it's time fun. they get off track, there's someone that just punches a fucking wall. It's like, come on, guys, get it together. Where's your train of thought, mate? I would be honestly so delighted if there was someone that every time we got off track actually legitimately got angry but still listens to our show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're like, they just make a game of it for themselves. Like, how many times will they get sidetracked? <laughs> will they ever get back to the initial point they were on? What was this initial point? Um, I don't know why you said the water fountain of time. I got really distracted by that. <laughs> That was because juice, the juicy juice gone through his oh. veins is from Hell yeah, the water fountain of time and it keeps him young. The one thing about juice I think that always hindered him is, you know, he has, definitely has a big ego. But he's like coming up around Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio was this awesome wrestler who was kind of low-key and reserved. Like, he can't just be low-key and reserved and also good at wrestling. Rey Mysterio is all doing that already. He's got to be cocky. I like him. He's I wonder great. when like his real juiciness came out because I feel like he was like a really quiet dude, like for a long time, at least up until like. Do you think he was still a maniac like under the mask, like when he? Well, he still, still was like really loud when he had the mask on. He would like come up to the top rope and like yell and stuff. Like he had that fire, you know, the the warrior spirit. You know, they say. Mm. So I mean, do or you... as you called it, the juicy juice. The juicy juice. Do you, do you think he was like the exact same over the top juice now, like when he was like eighteen and like having all those awesome matches with Ray? Uh, I I bet when he got to America is when it started because he was like let he was like on American TV. He was letting that feed his ego, and that kind of started there. Maybe it was just yeah the the mad lines of uh, of cocaine at those um nitro parties you know just like those mountains of cocaine that you'd have at the door every sounds time you throw on a nitro party and who, yeah, did, who sounds... was the nitro correspondent that would go to all of the parties with his sweet mustache lee marshall i believe lee marshall oh my fucking you know hero. he was the voice of tony the tiger i did not yeah legit look it up i ain't shitting you what even is Tony the Tiger? The cereal mascot for Frosted Flakes? So you're not familiar with oh, yeah. one? Holy shit. Antonio Wait, like, Tiger? So on, on like the, the TV commercials, like American TV right. commercials. Right. Wow. Mind blown. Yeah, it, it was Lee Marshall. Shit. I really want some Frosties now. Could really go for some Frosties. <laughs> you are stoned. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> chicken and a Frosty. Some frosty mm. cereal. Yeah, we're doing well. We're doing well, folks. Um, we did. Uh, there, were, there was talk where we just would do this show and not talk about any wrestling, like just the entire way through. The world was burning, back. Chris. The world was burning. Yeah. So we were going to watch a world of water, but do you know how hard it is to watch fucking Water World <laughs> in America? <laughs> If you don't own that shit, you have to get star service on your cable provider. And who wants fucking stars? Nobody. And right. I'm not going to 
steal good money from Kevin Costner by going and pirating this from the internet? No, no, steal sir. Straight out of Kevin Costner's pocket. <laughs> the guy needs it, clearly. I mean, look at the guy. <laughs> yeah, we were actually going to watch Waterworld and just talk about it. <laughs> Which I still, think, was tight. I still feel like that would make a great episode of this show. So it turned out Alicia actually really, really loves that movie. So it would have been really great to watch it with her. Let's we're still gonna do this, guys. Like somehow Jeremy is gonna get a fucking DVD copy of Waterworld. Yeah, I'll just order. I'll order. I don't mind owning that shit. It's probably, VHS, I can probably get it for eight. Bucks. Fucking get a VHS of it. <laughs> I gotta hook up my VHS player, <laughs> coaxial cable and shit. I feel like it'd add to the experience, frankly. Yeah, we're gonna watch some Waterworld, so definitely tune into that. Yeah, that'll be a good episode. So I'll save my thoughts many... on it um, for now. But yeah, I watched it last week, and holy shit, I was enthused. So, guys, this is your time, listeners. If you haven't watched Waterworld in like the last ten years, get your it's been a minute. get your red hot hands on it and give it a watch, because holy fucking shit it is great it's like mad max on water and i never looked at it that way before but when you look at it through those eyes you're like this is everything this is everything it's actually almost the like the opposite because in in the mad max they needed water and gasoline and this one they're looking for gasoline but they got plenty of water huh? it's ridiculous but plenty of water, but no water to drink, my friend. It's a lot of that salt oh. water. That's why you got to re- – oh, we, we, we'll get into the pee drinking later. Let's yeah. let's go. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> save it. Let's save it. So in lieu of us not being able to watch Waterworld, um, I also didn't get to watch that other that TV show that you said because <sighs> it was just too it's hard. Pretty, it's like your home country. Money man. in fucking country, Rupert man. Murdoch's pockets. You can at least watch that on Sling for free. You get to watch The Magician. I think you need a VPN to get Sling over here. This, this is, why do people want to use geo-blocking to stop people from watching content? I don't get it. It makes no fucking sense. Yeah. I, it's all, who knows, man? It's quite frustrating. But yeah, I never would have thought, like, because the Australian Netflix is shit. Like, it doesn't have half the stuff you guys have in terms of TV shows and stuff. So, it's just bizarre to me that there's something like Waterworld that I can watch on my Netflix in Australia and you can't get it over there. No. What a state no, of affairs. Ridiculous. All right. Well, now we got that rant off our chest. I mean, I feel better. Do you feel better? You know what? Yeah, I do. Good. I do. Good, good. It's good to complain sometimes, guys. Like, just if you need need a rant, like, even just call up your nan. You know, just have a rant to your nan. She wants to listen. Oh, don't. Hey, that's oh, a, that's fuck. a sore subject. Oh, sorry. That's, <laughs> that's really oh, awkward. Oh gosh. So, to let everyone know what Chris just did there, as he mentioned about calling up your nan, my grandmother. Who's actually her birthday today? She would have been 82nd. And I said, would have been because she died two days ago. <laughs> well, I have egg on my face. I oh, feel actually, like a bit four of a days jerk ago. Here. Four days ago. No, it's fine. No, it was, it was actually funny enough that you said that to make me <laughs> amused. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't believe you said it, so it's actually funny. I, was, I only had it on my mind. Again, if I had have, like, remembered it from our, our, um, 
chat about your fucking loss. I obviously wouldn't have brought it up, but I um, only remember it because I've been like trying to make more of an effort to to talk to my nan on a regular basis. Because you know, good like, call. God, God forbid everything that we're talking about. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, so I was like trying to make sure at least once a week I'll you know give her a call and have a little chat, see what she's been up to. Because she she does live down in Melbourne, so I don't get to see her all the time. Um, but yeah, it's uh, just just today was the day I was like, oh, I'll try to if I get a chance to it. But yeah, shit, put my foot in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> Dude, there's been some times where I've put my foot in my mouth so bad and I will share one of those stories with you right now. Please. So I was over at my buddy's house. Uh, my buddy Jordan is no, also no longer with us, but we were hanging out playing some Halo and at the time his girlfriend, Kimmy, was sleeping laying on the couch and she seemed tired. Uh, I'm not, I had no idea why she was tired, but somebody called later and Jordan was talking to him. It's like, yeah, she's sitting here on the couch. She's really worn out. And I, I go, yeah, because of her labia surgery. And she jumps off the couch and turns to Jordan and goes, you told him? <laughs> what are the odds on I, that? I, I actually said vaginoplasty, but it turned out she had labia surgery. But I said her vaginoplasty or something like that. And yeah, <laughs> turned out she totally had... She had a labia that apparently kept on, like, when she was having sex, it would pinch and it would, like, hurt. So she had it, like, trimmed. And Jordan got in huge trouble. I got in huge trouble. She would not believe that he did not tell me because he didn't tell me. I just, I decided to say something really. What was her full name for our listeners playing at home? Her name is Kimmy. (laughs) I was joking. (laughs) I didn't give you the last name, of course. So but yeah, Kimmy, it was the best reaction. Oh man, that's fucking hilarious, dude! Like, did what? What are the odds of that joke just meeting up with the wrong circumstance? It's, it was so great. I was like, oh my god, this that's is, like some because that kind of shit has happened before. I made a joke one time about I don't know why I made the joke. I made a joke about my friend's grandfather, uh, maybe diddling her and it turned out that was the case i don't know why this happens to me well just for future reference if we could prevent any anyone that's listening from ever making a joke about that to someone (laughs) just in case yeah just don't do it (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right all right i don't feel so bad about my my faux pas now but uh, still sorry. No, no, I thought that would make you feel better. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, um, so we, we did watch some wrestling to talk about. I think the theme of the wrestling we watched is um, quote-unquote eclectica. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the one thing that all these have in common. They're eclectic. I concur. <laughs> I was just seeing how long we could make that silence last. <laughs> I um, was like, this is getting awkward. I must. Now. <laughs> um, so the first match that I want to discuss is uh, we watched Dustin Rhodes versus the Blacktop Bully. Also, was he like Bully Bedford or something? Uh, I remember Blacktop Bully. He was also Barry Darso. He's also... Uh, 
uh, what was it? The golfing gimmick he did. Hole in one, Darso. Yeah. Yeah, hole in one, Darso. Uh, really Repo the man of demolition. Honestly. Yep. So was he smash? Yeah, he was smashed because Edie was axe. I mean, I don't know. I like Delady as well. It's oh, he's rad. Hey, he 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 was rad. He was like this this ornery old bastard, and and he just always looked cantankerous. And then he just put the makeup on him. He just makes him like look mean as fuck. I I always liked Demolition. I didn't realize at the time that how, they're just like a rip off uh, of the Road Warriors. But well, not even that necessarily. But how homoerotic their gear was. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It looked like bondage stuff. <laughs> like just coming around in bondage gear, and we're just like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is rad. This is just what Demolition wears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah we watched uh, blacktop bully versus dustin Rhodes from uncensored 95 the famed uh what was the name of the match um king of the road match king of the road so this whole pay-per-view just had all sorts of wacky shit they're like we're gonna have a boxer versus wrestler match we're gonna have a hardcore match we're gonna have a fucking match where two dudes Wrestle on top of a moving truck. <laughs> and what a brilliant concept. And the the fact the execution that clearly, I thought was really good as well, I want to say. Well, yeah, they clearly had incorporated uh, the permission of the city to do this because they had the cops tailing them and leading them, them through town, which I found was a fabulous touch. So did I. And, like, they had to, like, wait at one point because there was, like, a, what'd they say, like, a nun bus going past or something? It was a church, yeah, it was a church bus. I think they were on the way to Sunday school, probably. <laughs> they stopped and, yeah, we're stopping, here comes the church bus. I actually tweeted about, like, church bus with the run-in, out of nowhere. It's hilarious. I, um... Such a southern thing, too, like, all of a sudden. The wrestling match got interrupted by people going to church. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, it also was like, I loved it because unlike a lot of this, like more recent, you know, wacky wrestling match that's like pre-taped or whatever, you could tell it was like definitely done in one take. Like they just did this once or I don't know, maybe they did it one more time previously, but it was definitely like live to tape kind of situation to where it just felt like it was actually a thing and not like some overproduced pre-taped bullshit. I, I had watched it back in the day when it actually went down, uh, but watching it back now is even more entertaining because I, at no time, was looking at the fact that they were literally at any point in time could fall out of this truck and get ran over right. by the other truck full of cameramen. Like, <laughs> the time of the blacktop bully literally had the majority of his body outside of the cage. I was Holy like, shit, this is right? a terrible idea. What is, <laughs> how big are your balls, Darso? What the fuck? I mean, both of them had points where, yeah, it was like, this is actually dangerous. And, but yeah. I'm so happy that it actually happened. Uh, um, we're going to take this big right here. The helicopter, yes. Oh, I love the commentary, too, at the time. Like, they're like, the helicopter's got to have a spotlight on it, right, once it gets dark. He's like, yeah, it's got, it's definitely got a spotlight. It probably had a spotlight on this fucking thing. They just, we got to get this done while the light's on. Yeah, yeah, I remember Bobby Heenan going on about this. This better finish soon or else we won't be able to see what's going on. Yeah, or there's he's talking about uh, the skyscrapers in town. There are only two stories or whatever, or five stories. I yeah, forget yeah, what it was. Yeah, just burying but... the town. It was hilarious. Yeah, so, so good. 
And um, he's like trying to put over some condominiums or some shit. I forget it. Like <laughs> Tupelo uh, condominiums, or I forget exactly what he said, but it was pretty funny. I think he said something bad about Elvis's birthplace because that's one of the most famous things in Tupelo, Mississippi, of which I have mm. actually been. Would recommend. What Tupelo would recommend? <laughs> not not the main Tupelo part, but just going to Elvis's birthplace. That was pretty cool. Four out of five Australians say Tupelo is good. <laughs> what a great marketing campaign. Um, one of the other things I really enjoyed uh, about this match was um, the the microwave signal interference. Oh, yeah, but they kept on saying it, like, microwave interference. Yeah, that what made me laugh. What the microwave interference? So they're going over a bunch of homes that just happen to be all using their microwaves at once? And it's what are you cooking a... in there, TV dinners? <laughs> You're trying to enjoy our wrestling show here, friends. Is that a thing? Um, I, I Probably, like, some sort of antenna interference. I don't know. But yeah, that the, the way he sold it was ridiculous. It happened like three times, and every time he said about, oh, the microwave interference. <laughs> oh, so great. And like the actual match going for as long as it did. I remember when I, like, I went to watch it, I was like, oh, this isn't going to go any longer than like five minutes. I feel like it clocked in at like 19 minutes. Yeah, it's, it was fairly long, and... The majority of them is like them staggering to try to get to each other. Yeah. There's that one point where Dustin's in the far back of the truck and uh, Black Tom Bully looks like he's almost about to ring the fucking horn. Yeah. So Dustin has to come all the way up. Because, and I like how they so fast. all the hay uh, mm-hmm. was going to be some sort of legit padding for these people. No, <laughs> they're hitting that hay. It's all stiff. I bet the bumps in that fucking thing were fucking gnarly. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, like, yeah, the hay, like, moving all over the place and just... Oh. He hit him with a bale of hay! <laughs> Skivone. Tony oh. Skivone. I do. I really did miss, like, on the commentary, because this was, like... I feel like 95 is the year when, like, WCW got really shit after that, like, amazing early 90s run that they had from... Um, I want to say, like, 92 onwards. Like, basically, once, like, Watts took over from fucking Kip Fry or whatever his name was. Um, but, yeah, and one of my favourite parts about that early 90s era is the commentary. Um, mainly, I mean, JR is amazing, but also Jesse the Body Ventura. Um, I feel like Jesse is, like, honestly, maybe the greatest colour commentator of all time. Um, so I sadly think it was a downgrade from Jesse to Bobby the Brain. What do you think on that? Um, whew. I could never... I mean, I love Bobby Heenan, but I don't think yeah, he's I... a very good commentator. Um, I think he is a victim of trying to get his shit in all the time, so I can hear that, but... Man, I like them both. I, I gotta go Brain, probably just nostalgic reason, but... Jesse was great. I can't give you take that away from him. Man, why are you doing this to me? I'm on teams. <laughs> I normally hate that, like, making people make arbitrary decisions like that. You yeah. see it on um, Facebook a lot. I hate those fucking wrestling ones of, like, pick two of these, the rest have to go. Those kind of dumb ones for, like, greatest wrestling promos or, like, matches or, like, wrestlers or whatever. Yeah. The ones I legitimately are annoyed with, like, 
who's a wrestler that you just can't get into? Or like, yeah. why Why do I care? Or why does anyone care about the things that... Is this just to stir arguments? Like, people are now supposed to try to convince you why you think somebody's lame? I, well, I mean, that's pretty much the entire nature of those fucking um, social networks. But anyway, but this fucking Oh, that's like the internet. I, um... My, my other favorite part was, like, every corner they went around and the guys would, like, fall over onto the side. <laughs> no, yeah, they yeah, one time they were both leaning against the rails just trying to like hold so they could stay vertical. I also thought it was funny, like just imagine being someone who didn't necessarily get cleared off the road, like all of a sudden you see this thing coming at you. Were there two men fighting back there? What's <laughs> going on? Or the other thing is <clears throat> the truck driver, like his responsibility to make sure he drives good in this circular area without killing the two wrestlers in it, right. not running he, into like, the truck try, next he's to He's not him. really allowed to stop either. Like, that's yeah. got to be hard. Props to the driver. It's hazard pay. Props. Yeah. Um, my other thing that I think is, like, quite hilarious and amazing to think about in hindsight, Dustin Rhodes did a fucking blade job on, like, a back of a truck that was moving real fast and all over the place. You, what? You're telling me he didn't just get bloody from the interaction? I mean, maybe. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Could have been a hard way, but uh, to me, just the idea of like, that's fucking balls, man. Like, because I remember doing a lot of wrestling, but like never on the back of a fucking truck. Hopefully it was when they were stationary for a period of time, so he didn't get this fucking jagged, gnarly shit on himself. Maybe. <laughs> Either way, I just thought that was great. Like, just the idea that you're in this ridiculous match, and you're like, well, i got to bleed. <laughs> yeah, I would bleed. This thing, this is a situation where a person would bleed. <laughs> so great. Um, so, yeah, I want to give that match five stars. <laughs> No. Hell yeah! I um, I got to the end of it and I didn't even know whether it was good or not. <laughs> no, it it's not very spectacle. good. I mean, what? What do you think? No, it's not a very good match. It's just 
them kind of smashing on each other, hitting each other with hay at times. I feel like it's the, good for what it is. I'm going to give it, it that one. No. Yeah, it's not, it couldn't be much better. Like, what are we going to expect them doing chain wrestling in the middle of the fucking bed? And like, again, I like does this it way tope. better than any of these fucking, what do they call them? Cinematic wrestling matches lately? I hate that term so much. But I, I dug this way more than any of that you other hate bullshit. Everything. No, that's what that's what all my friends say, and I disagree with them very much. <laughs> you, I could have sworn when I first met you, this is the most positive guy. And over time, I just realized, no, he just has a really cool accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It makes you sound upbeat when you're Australian. You can say the meanest shit. No, joke. <laughs> yep. Just, uh, you give the vibe of being an upbeat stoner Australian and to disguises your hate for people or puts it puts, pushes it back a little bit so they don't notice it quite so early, I guess. Um, Dude, but, so holy crash. Sorry, I, I apologize. I have to interrupt. So back in the day when Craig was, uh, Violent Miracle was doing a pre-order for some shirts, he was doing a uh, Sting and Muda Violet in, or the Fatal Encounter thing and He's given away free bandanas to anyone who pre-ordered. I just found out. I'm so excited. Oh, you know shit. the Fatal Encounter, dude? Yeah, man. Is that that like, yeah, cool man. 3D one? Uh, yeah, I mean, but it, he it's not that picture, though. But it's he did some sweet bandanas of Sting and Muda. Oh, that yeah. picture is so dope, though. Yeah, I think so much of his um, Violent Miracle stuff is just incredible. He's like he's he's one of my favorite dudes to keep an eye on when he has like a release coming up. Hell yeah, I buy almost everything. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt. I just as got well, I want I'm a big fan of Vice Groups of stuff, so I'm gonna put them over too. Um, yeah, agreed. You got anyone else you want to chuck on there as well? Um, if you're looking for like cool stickers and stuff, uh, Angry Lemonade does some really great work, and then uh, our buddy. Uh, Jedi Jack. Yeah, Jedi Jack Yeti. His stuff that he's been releasing has been so dope, or his collaborations. Oh, I pointed man. somebody in from the Fight Office Club. One? Yeah, that was awesome. And then the one he did for Las Vegas Fight Club, I pointed them in his direction. They did a cool one, too. Oh, that came off so good, man. Um, he's a talented man, and a really, really nice dude. He's still like I'll we'll like message back and forth a little bit here and there, and he's such a sweetheart. Very much. It's like everything I post on Instagram, he's just like right there saying how great it is, and I'm just like, dude, you are fucking really talented. <laughs> so it almost makes me feel guilty to receive a compliment from like someone that's that good. Oh, agreed, dude. It, they he's been putting out uh, other cool stuff too, like that. Undertaker last ride one a while back, and yeah. then he's doing stickers now. He that did a sweet one. Yep, Keep so good. Moody. Oh, the Crypt Keeper themed um, Paul Bearer shirt. I love that design. Yeah. Oh, and they also the put over lapel. Yeah, they've they're doing another one of those sticker packs where they release different ones every week, and the two ones they've released so far were pretty rad. It's uh, that you know. A poster for one of the WWE pay-per-views where it's Steve Austin's head like three times. Yep. It's like on top. Of, yeah, so they did a sticker of that one, and then they also did a sweet Coco Beware sticker that's on like uh, silver foil. It's pretty dope. Dude, I have mad, mad love for the dudes at Lapel. Yeah, um, cannot put over their 
general niceness, but also just like the sweet shit they come out with. So yeah, big uh, big rub for lapel yeah from me. Hell yeah yeah. Um, so on to the next match. What was the next match that we watched? Uh, Ooh, the fucking well, Ric Flair, Ricky Morton. I almost forgot about that. Oh shit, that was dope, dude. So this is a uh, Great American Bash '86, was it? Uh, yes, sir. Yep. Um, it was, it was one a two-night show. No, actually, the Great American Bash tour. They did like fucking twenty shows. Like, was it, I thought it was. Oh, I thought it was a two-night thing where one was in uh, North Carolina and the and then Dusty was in the other one. I misinterpreted no, the whole they thing. they had, like, a huge tour because, like, I only know this because I watched, like, all of the TV leading up to it and saw, like, the mm. sweet commercials, like, plugging it. And they had, like, the cool music in the background and Tony just, like, running over. And then we'll be here and then we'll be here and then this match is going to be Ric Flair against Hall <laughs> for the main event. I, I love those so much. Um NWA uh, World Championship Wrestling, the television show. So great. If anyone ever just wants something to watch, just like jump right in in like 85, 84 and uh, just watch the goodness go on. It's beautiful. But um, yeah, there was like 20 shows that were part of this Great American Bash tour. Um, and it was like did record business pretty much everywhere they went. And they had the thing of like Ric Flair would be defending the belt so like 20 times in 30 days or something crazy like that how can he do it right he's a tough motherfucker i guess yeah, um, but yeah so this this incredible tour um and had all sorts of, i've got like a sweet dvd comp that like has a lot of the stuff from a lot of the different shows from like i guess half sometimes filmed like house show footage other ones that they sort of like edited together to put on tv and whatever um, but yeah, so we had in the TV leading up to it, uh, basically Ric Flair and the four horsemen fiendishly broke the nose, uh, of Ricky Morton of the, the rock and roll express, uh, it was quite violent and vicious and yeah, they'd actually crushed his nose apparently. Um, and then they had some great promos back and forth and holy shit. I was just trying to tell you, man, like these promos I feel are just like the best I've ever seen in wrestling. Full stop. Like Ric Flair would just do just all time legit, like goat promo, uh, just like every week on TV, just as like, Oh, here's Rick walking out again. Let's see what he's got to say. And they just get this magic, like just fire on all cylinders. It was amazing. Uh, Ricky Morton as well. When he's like telling about the flair and the horseman, how he's going to get back at him and he's not going to let this stand and he's going to do it for the rock and roll express fans and everything. Holy shit. I was so fired up for this match, dude. And then it all comes uh, to it, and we get a, a main event of, was it the Charlotte show? I believe that was the case. Yeah, it was in this big, sweet, outdoor, like, stadium. Uh, and it's Ric Flair defending the NWA title in a cage against Ricky Morton. And uh, Ricky Morton comes out, and he's got, like, the, the face mask on with the, the protective nose gimmick because of his broken nose, as they've acknowledged on TV. And Rick arrives in a fucking helicopter. <laughs> Is this not so like, the coolest wrestling entrance you've ever seen? It was so awesome. It was so great because you had to wait forever 
for him to even get down. Like mm-hmm. it, they show him like way further, way far away in the sky. Like, oh yeah, there's that's the nature boy coming. Hell yeah, music, here he the comes. music doesn't hit until it like lands. The helicopter lands. It touches. And down. I really like that because nobody else. There was not a lot of music on the show. Yeah, well, I mean, that's. I think wrestling was a lot more effective when it's like. You know, most most people don't need music. It's only like the real special acts that get music. Now everyone yeah. has like a dumb wrestling theme and it's whatever. But um, just this whole vibe of it and like obviously, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey music as well is just like one of the all-time greatest wrestling theme musics, I've got to say. And they like roll out this like red carpet from the helicopter and then Flair's like getting out and he's got the belt and he's got the hair and the beautiful robe and everything about this was like just spot on. And um yep. And my- the such like the basically the great one of the greatest baby faces ever and one oh. of the greatest heels, just the two sides of the coin, you know what I mean? It's just great. Yeah. People, like, do not give Ricky Morton the credit that he deserves. Like, I mean, you, you get it when people are talking about, you know, greatest tag team selling of all time, Ricky Morton. But, like, he was a lot more than that. Agreed. He, he and then... had, like, everything. Like, the fire. Like, I cannot remember the last babyface that I watched that, like, had the fucking fire and tenacity that you actually believed that Ricky Morton did in this match. And, dude, the subtleties of the way that Rick goes out of his way to make Ricky Morton look, like, so amazing and such a credible contender. Yeah. It's just so much fun. Like, taking those really snap bumps when he gets punched, just, yeah, selling everything. And oh, it just they felt like off actual so punches because of the way he would. I mean, both because Ricky Morton could throw a fucking good punch, which I can yep. count the amount of current wrestlers on, like, one finger who can actually do a decent punch in current day wrestling. Um, but, like, he could throw a good punch, but also, like you're saying, the way Rick sold it and, like, taking those quick bumps from him. and But it, most importantly, like, the way they thread the story of working over the nose through the match. And how he'd like, he'd be punching Rick in the nose to get revenge, and then Rick would be like, he'd have his hands on his nose and selling the nose, and fuck, it was so good. But yeah, they started the the ref in this match was actually awesome. I wanted to put over the ref. This was um, Tommy Young, I'm pretty sure, who's just one of the all time one of my favorite referees ever, Um, and he was kind of like the established veteran referee of this time, so. They did sometimes do some angles where he got fucked and then he'd have to, like, explain his side of it and people were a bit angry at him for a while. But overall, great referee. But, yeah, when the match starts, so the best bit, Ricky Morton has this, like, big mask on with the nose protector and shit. And when they're, like, facing one another, the referee's talking to him and, I guess, going over the rules of the match, you can hear him saying, he says, now, Rick, you're not going to touch that mask. And then Rick's just like, oh, no, never. And has this big, exaggerated, like, shaking his head. (laughs) Cue to later in the match where Rick is wearing the mask and (laughs) laying into Ricky Morton. Yeah, it's pretty great. And then he chucks it away so nobody gets to play with it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And fucking, yeah, just how much. I love the fire of the start of how, like, Ricky Morton is getting his revenge on Ric Flair by just, like, repeatedly punching him in the nose and it was just like the most entertaining thing I'd ever seen. 
And honestly, I like this style of wrestling cage. I know the WWE makes it, and most TV wrestling makes it fancy and cool, but I like the the chain link cyclone fence. I feel like fence. this is the ultimate presentation of a cage match. Just in every yeah. way. It's got like the grittiness to it and the idea that if a dude goes into that chain link fence headfirst in any way, he is definitely coming up bleeding. Like that is how it fucking works. You cannot hit the cage and that, that you know how they, they grate a fucking apple on it and they show you how vicious it is. Vicious, vicious it is. Yep. Um, you can't hit that cage without coming off bleeding and that's how it should be to me if you're doing a cage match. I concur. Uh, if you're not going to allow dudes to blade, then don't have a fucking cage match. It's that simple. Um, but, yeah, like, just the little things were so good. Um, and then, yeah, when Rick finally gets that um, that mask off of, of um, Ricky Morton and he's just, like, working over that nose like there's no tomorrow and, like, Ricky Morton's bleeding and it's, like, almost it looked kind of like he's bleeding out of his nose a little bit. But he was like, he did that blood kind of drip, and it was a pretty, pretty good gig. Um, and yeah, just like obviously, you know, that you would expect. Whoa, hang on, I'm getting a call from Jeremy, who I thought I was talking to. Did you drop out, friend? I don't know what I did. All of a sudden, I, I went to close another window, and I closed Skype on accident. That's you okay. were at. I've just, a little thing. I've just been continuing to rave about once um, the mask is, is off and Rick is working over Ricky's nose. And, I mean, you would imagine, like, this is the, the selling of Ricky Morton, which no one can do quite like. And Rick is always, like, amazing when he's on uh, on offense during the heat of the match as well. Yeah. It was so great. There's, I remember there was a part where he's, like, got his face and he's, like, pushing it up against the chain link fence and Ricky's just looking really uncomfortable and in pain and Rick's like just smiling at him. (laughs) Just like this is, it was just such a classic moment where Rick's just like smiling at him while he's like just like grinding his bloody face against this um, chain link fence. Oh, tremendous. And then yeah, Ricky Morton's comeback and even the finish, I thought it was like just Everything about that match was fucking perfect to where I said to you, I was like, I think that's the greatest cage match I've ever seen. Uh, I, You know what? I can't think of any of that are like, better overall because, I mean, all the, the key only one that crucial I can elements are there. is like the Brett Owen one. But that's a fucking WWF cage match, and I generally hate the idea of having to escape the cage. I think that's dumb. So I feel like between those two, I have to give it to this one. I mean, are there any other ones we're kind of forgetting here? Um, and I mean, would you classify like a Hell in a Cell or a War Games to be a cage match? There are some cool, like the Scramble Cage stuff back in the day in ROH. Oh, yeah. Teddy yeah. Hart just jumping on fools. Oh, that, yeah, that's just gnarly. You know, honestly, I've never been a huge fan of cage matches, so none. I've never like kept a Rolodex of the best ones. It maybe makes it easy for this one to be such a standout. I feel like but it's it really actually, has all the. In my book, but, it's either that, or you ever watch that one with Sergeant Slaughter and Don Canodal against um, Ricky Steamboat and Jay Youngblood? Uh, I have not. We might have to take a look at that one as well. Oh, shit. Yeah, that one got uh, Wrestling Observer Match of the Year for 84, oh, shit. I'm pretty sure. 
and it was like one of the one of the early like five star matches. Legit great, one of the best ma best tag matches I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I'd say that's definitely up there. But for me, this one, this one officially got the nod. High praise. Yeah. Any any other little things that you loved about this, or or didn't like? Is there any any criticisms? No. Um. I honestly, I the reason I mentioned uh, the referee, there was one spot where he like jumped over and like positioned himself clearly so he wouldn't see what the heel was doing uh, behind him. I forget. He's Ric Flair was like maybe grabbing the rope behind him and he mm. didn't know. I forget what it was, but oh, was he it like was just... putting his feet on the rope like while he had? Um... Oh no, he was grabbing the rope with his hands when he had the yeah. figure four on, right? Yeah, and like Tommy was like literally just looking right into Ricky's face because he's trying to see if he was going to tap out. He wasn't bothering to turn around and look at the ropes, and then he turned around and saw him shaking, and he was like, "What? Hey, what the hell?" Yeah, like he didn't <laughs> actually even see the hands on the ropes, but he saw the ropes yeah. shaking, which like so many yeah. fucking referees you see, like they'll see that and they'll just ignore it. But like Tommy yeah. Young was fucking on the ball, man. Oh, and like, yeah, it was just well done all around because it's, I mean, this is a big complaint that I have every week on Dynamite. And like when, when the guys come over and we all watch it together, everyone agrees they make the referees look like fucking shit. And I mean, part of that's on the referees because it seems like they don't have the balls to actually like tell people, hey, this is fucked up. Don't do this. But it's stuff like in this match, like Ric Flair and Ricky Morton didn't make Tommy Young look like a fucking idiot. Like, he looked like a legit referee who was calling it, like, as a as a shoot, which is what a referee should look like, you know? Yep. Whereas, yeah, a lot of the time, uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, I'm seeing, like, referees just look like idiots because dudes are so lazy with, like, you know, how long they should be in the ring between tags or, like, just doing dirty shit right in front of the referee and then not being like, disqualified, stuff like that. So I think... This, you see this a lot in 80s, like, Crockett. Like, they don't make the referees look like fucking idiots, and they're presented with credibility, and it's, like, really refreshing. I liked it enjoyed it quite a bit. I, don't, I haven't seen enough of Tommy stuff, but, yeah, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, I, um, I want to watch more Ric Flair from this era now. I mean, obviously, you know, people talk up Ric Flair from this era ridiculously, but the biggest thing for me, like, between watching just these week-to-week -week promos in the studio and, like, watching these matches, you're like, holy shit, he's even better than, like, people rave him up to be. And that's a pretty huge compliment. Yeah, he just made Ricky Morton look like a million bucks. Like, the begging off and all that is just, like, yeah, quintessential wrestling. It's great. Yep, yep. And then big props to Ricky Morton, man. I... After watching this, you're like, I feel like he should have, he should have like gotten like a proper run on top. Like, cause I feel like this was his only real high profile singles run that he ever had of his career. Wasn't it? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So no, yeah. yeah. So pff, you watch And it, Robert like, was on the card too earlier in the show. What was the reason why it literally was just spawned from, them beating the shit out of Ricky. That's how the angle even began. Also, it was like because of the nature of the tour and Rick defending the belt like 20 times in 30 days, he, he had to have some to defenses against, you know, yeah. some filler guys. So he had like one against like Hawk. Um, they also built up on TV. 
and a lot against like dudes that didn't even bother building up for like you know Biloxi, Mississippi. Ric Flair's gonna be wrestling fucking. Can't come up with a good example right now. <laughs> one of the monkeys. <laughs> yeah, one of the monkeys. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah. So you had some filler ones, but like they built this one up enough, but with the whole promos and the nose and everything. So I think like it. it I mean, it was one of the marquee shows of the lot. Uh, yeah, holy shit, so good. Did you watch any of the other matches on that show? Um, I ended up watching like a lot of it because I was trying to uh, initially navigate through the WWE thing was a bitch. Oh, that so network like, is such forward. a fucking piece of shit when it comes to navigating yeah. shit. Ugh. Once you're actually in the show, you can like skip match to match. But at first, I didn't. I wasn't totally aware of that, so I started watching the whole show. But yeah, yeah, there's some fun stuff on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. I um, one of my favorite things on it was the. Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express against Dusty Rhodes, Nick, Nikita Koloff, and Baby Doll. I thought this is like probably the best intergender match I've ever seen in terms of like just doing it right. Did you watch I that think, one? I think I did. I honestly, I remember watching the majority of the show, but I, it was a while ago, so I, I don't remember. Yeah, fair enough. No, like so good. And like in the TV building this up, they had this like. Cornet cutting these like really <laughs> promos that would uh, not fly today. Let's just say uh, on Baby Doll, um, and Baby Doll was like, you know, she's she's not a wrestler. She's like a valet. Uh, you know, mm. obviously one of the greatest valets of all time. Like Baby Doll was fucking incredible. Um, she was like Tully Blanchard's perfect ten. I guess was sort of her most famous time. Uh, and then she ends up um, leaving Tully and, and getting with with Dusty. And then um, she's a babyface. And then yeah, she gets into this like war of words with Jim Cornette. And then Cornette like they get like physical and then she like kicks his ass and then he like challenges or a match and stuff. And it was so good. But yeah, they had all these like really awkward, um, that this like highlight video of her like working out in the gym in preparation for this match. And it was like, just like the most classic, like eighties gym that you can imagine. Like, you know, the gym out of fucking toxic Avenger. Oh yeah. Like just stripped down and like, like, uh, just like the general I, like late 80s early 90s presentation of a gym with like all those outfits and like this old like gym aerobic equipment stuff. and yeah aerobic stuff so that's exactly like what she's wearing and what she's doing in this workout and it just like seems she's they show like how much weight she's lifting and it's not really impressive it just like seems like they're just filming one of her everyday workouts but like have it to like really badass like pompy 80s pop music and it was one of the best things I've ever seen. But, so, yeah, then this actual match was, yeah, they did it. Um, so, Dusty, Nikita, and Baby Doll against Jim Cornette and um, the Express. And, obviously, the Express are, like, one of the greatest tag teams of all time. So, that was fantastic. They made, like, Dusty look fucking like Superman, as he always did in NWA. Um, but they limited... There were no interactions between where Baby Doll finally got her hands onto Cornette until right at the end, where she just fucking hurls back and punches him in the face, and he took one of his like all-time famous Jim Cornette bunch of bumps, where he like basically did an exaggerated like turnaround twisting bump 
<laughs> this like punch launched him into the air and it was like amazing and then she just pinned him one two three it was like it doesn't <laughs> get better than that for a finish right yeah oh, glass cow. Mm-hmm. he's uh he's gonna make like yeah he fucking put her over so well was, and then the crowd just like biggest pop oh that's how it should be done man that is wrestling to me all right, um, so uh, next match. What do we got up next, sir? Um, I think it's the, the series of the three matches. Oh, you want to go uh, into that? Yeah, isn't that what's next? Yeah, we watched one other thing. Oh, what well, was that? I forget. We'll save we that watched for a lot end. of wrestling. We'll save that for the end. So, yeah, now, next up, um, I watched um, the one of the more famous women's matches in history uh one of the definitely the the most famous like sort of brutal women's match in history uh none other than megumi kudo uh versus combat toyota in fmw now i feel like a lot of people if they don't know much about fmw maybe don't really know those names and that makes me really fucking sad because I reckon Kudo is like, she should be in conversation for greatest women's wrestler of all time. Like I put her right there with Hokuto and Minami Toyota. She's that fucking like great as a baby face. Um, but, and just as a wrestler and like that dramatic timing and everything like that and her opponent combat Toyota, um, they actually started in the same uh, rookie class together in all Japan women. Um, so this was like going back to like 86 and then they were both kind of like best friends, even as rookies back then. And then they like progressed on to be on shows for all Japan women. And then, um, a bunch of them left all Japan women. Um, so both Toyota and, um, Kudo in addition to a bunch of the other girls, uh, because at this time, All Japan Women was just blowing up and they showed a lot of promise, but I feel like maybe they had so many other people kind of like going on at the same time. They sort of couldn't give them the proper spotlight that they deserved or they weren't going to give them that. I don't know. But yeah, so these amazing crop of women actually left All Japan Women and um, then just like didn't really wrestle anymore for a little while until Onita started FMW. And he was like, holy shit, there's like all these amazing girls from this class of, of all Japan women that aren't doing anything. And then he started it and he actually, that was probably the first ever men's promotion, I would say, that actually had like a women's division in Japan. Because that's, normally it's completely separate, you know. You have women's promotions, you have men's promotions. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Onita like put together this women's division with this these, these girls that were kind of like all Japan um like uh, throw-offs and like different kind of like girls and he had a, and a deal with like a Mexican women's promotion as well at some point it was all like very ahead of his time but yeah Kudo and Toyota fucking great and had this multi-year kind of like feud where they were like best friends and they were like heels in this like bad girl team basically as like the old Japan women invaders to the, the local um, young girls of, of FMW and they're being bullies to them and stuff. And then eventually like this tiff kind of develops where Toyota's like feeling like Kudo's not wanting to do the real bad stuff. Like when she's like, they're meant to shave this girl's hair after they beat her and like Kudo doesn't want any part of it. 
And then eventually it's this long thing and they finally turn on one another. And then at a sweet street fight in like 90, either 90 or 92, I want to say. Um, and then they end up sort of like having to team together again when they're actually feuding with the old Japan women and this like interpromotional sort of feud that they had at the time. And that was actually the first match that we watched, right? Uh, the tag team match? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we watched two tag was... team matches with one with them uh, together at first, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was Megumi Kudo teaming with Combat Toyota, defending the honor of, uh, of FMW in um, All Japan Women. And they were facing, uh, again, one of the greatest of all time that I just mentioned, Minami Toyota and uh, Toshio Yamada, who I don't know if many of y'all are familiar with Yamada, but holy shit, she was amazing in this match. Um, but this took place in April 2nd of 1993 in All Japan Women, I believe. Uh, what What did you think about this match? Uh, a whole lot of fun, a lot of cool stuff, some inventive stuff, some crazy stuff that looked like it wasn't supposed to happen, but looked cool. Like toward the beginning of the match, one of the, uh, I forget exactly who did it, but there was like, a, she does a crossbody and like grabs the girl's head as she's coming around and almost ends up in like a scorpion death drop. It was totally chaotic, but looked really, really cool. I loved and, a lot of the stuff in this match. And, and this goes for all three matches, actually stuff that like looks like it might've been a spot that didn't quite go smoothly or right, but it just looks fucking brutal and like is still awesome and in no way detracts from the match whatsoever. Yeah, like the at one point they uh, did a tag team like DDT, but it was like oh, from the top holy rope. Holy shit, that looked brutal. Yeah, it was gnarly. Somebody goes, "That looks bad." I'm like, "Looks awesome to me, man." Yeah, uh, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing that on your um, <laughs> on your post. And this this cunt is like. Oh, that looked like shit. Because he didn't hit it perfectly. It like, looked realistic and awesome. Like It looked like it fucking really hurt, and she may have broken her neck. Like, What more do that's, you want, motherfucker? The, that spinning stretch muffler spot was pretty gnarly. Oh, yeah, and this had the, that amazing uh, submission. <laughs> Would you please tell us about that in vivid detail? So it was like... <laughs> It looks like you're doing like a regular roll up where somebody would be in a pinning attempt uh, where they on their back, but she had her crotch in her Almost face. Almost like you've got like them in a sunset flip pin kind of thing. But let's like yeah. just invert that, flip the invert person that. so they're like actually. Like you're trying to bend their back. Yeah, you're bending their back in like a sort of, uh, I guess like a Boston crab kind of deal, but like you're underneath. And it's and, almost a 69. Yeah, they're kind of like grinding <laughs> one another so a then, little bit. <laughs> then Toyota Combat comes in and actually grabs the girl by her legs and yanks her legs up further <laughs> to stuff her crotch even further into Kudo's face and just started rubbing <laughs> it back and forth. It was pretty fucking ridiculous. I was like, what is this? You know, that's the actual um, still screen for the YouTube video of that match. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely share this one for you guys. But yeah, this was a good starting point. I didn't know... Did I give you the heads up that this was sort of like them as a tag team before we would see them against one another? Or you just kind of got that assumption? No, I, I kind of just had to figure that. But I just I wanted to say, I know Manami is like really freaking great, but 
her style is like not the most graceful, but she just goes for it with like the most vigor and like yeah. it looks like something she's gonna gonna just die and fall on her head, but it's always awesome looking. But a lot of grace not there. <laughs> like she would just be wrestle with like such an intensity that it was like a lot of the stuff might not hit just perfect, but she's gonna still like give it her all and like just hit like like a, a flying drop kicks and stuff like those running series of drop kicks that she'd do. So or that that one clothesline that got like knocked her upside down and she laid it on her head. Oh man, Wasn't that, that was like the greatest sell, greatest women sell to a clothesline I've ever seen. And then uh, at one point she had, uh, or I think it was the other girl maybe, she had Toyota in a front face lock and like tried to do a suplex and just tried to muscle her over. But the girl was so much bigger that they, she just planted her directly on her head like an implant DDT. Oh, yeah, pretty I'm pretty much, sure that yeah. was when, um, was that when Kudo was trying to get, I can't remember. Maybe I think there was a similar bit in the next match that we, we have to talk about actually. Um, Carry on. But yeah, this this was awesome. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the biggest surprise to me was Toshio Yamada. Like she was, had some amazing kicks. She kind of reminded me a bit of like the female version of Masaki Mochizuki, if uh, anyone gets that reference. Any Dragon Gate fans out there? Um, but yeah, who was that chick we watched recently? Was it her? No, somebody who had come out of retirement and was wrestling. No, that wasn't her. It was somebody else. Never mind. But that's the kick. The kicking style reminded me of her. Who? You, you know, what I'm talking Hota? about the one with the short, the one short, uh, blonde, spiky haircut. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of like saw her a bit similar to Yumiko Hota in terms of like the shooter kicks and stuff like that. Um, I'm not ringing. It's not ringing any bells. The one with the spiked blonde hair. It was pretty busy. She was wearing like a silver outfit and shit, but I, uh, damn it, we watch a lot of stuff, so I know we do. No worries. That's okay. Um, but yeah, I would heavily recommend this match. This is like just all time great. And yeah, like I said before, I feel like the the little stuff that felt like not quite. It was didn't feel at all like they're doing like a pretty dance and like. This is an overly choreographed scene like a lot of wrestling feels. It felt like gritty. It felt like a fight. It felt like parts weren't quite right, but like that kind of made it better. I I love everything about the presentation of like all Japan women in the 90s. I feel like it was amazing. Yeah, I'd send uh, it to the guy I'm working on the comic book with because he's like trying to write like actual good wrestling matches within this the comic book itself and mm. Uh, I said this was for one of the watches. Like, what is it about Japanese women that are like, nah, we're actually just going to try to kill each other. It's, <laughs> it's not about trying to make people look good. We're just going to annihilate one another. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, imagine this is the stuff that, like, like Mako Satomura is, like, young girling for. So like now that's you, crazy to think about. Yeah, that's kind of where where she got her her spark from, I guess. Um, but yeah, so this resulted in um, the FMW team sort of like getting uh, taken the loss, and there was a bit of a oh holy shit! It was um, wait, 
No, I think that's the next match. Anyway, all right, this was really good, and uh, Team FMW lost. And then our next match, we actually see them tagging against one another, uh, which I believe was on the 10th anniversary of when all four of these girls were in the same the same rookie class. And that is just insane that we had a rookie class with Megumi Kudo, Aja Kong, Combat Toyota, and Bison Kimura. Like, to me, they are four of the greatest women wrestlers in history, and they all were in the same rookie class. Like, that's insane. That's a stacked class? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was that was the big thing of this match. It was like a dream tag with all four of the, the big standouts of that class against one another. So Megumi Kuno teaming with Aja Kong against Combat Toyota and Bison Kimura. Um, I actually hadn't watched that much Bison Kimura before. Are you familiar with her at all? I was not. Um, so she was like the best part about this match to me just because of how amazing everything she did was she's also the mother of Hana Kimura who's been um quite newsworthy lately right yeah uh, obviously a very sad story um but yeah like you could I could definitely see watching um Bison Kimura like so many similarities uh with with her daughter in terms of like obviously like looks and but like a bit of their wrestling style too. Um, but yeah, like Bison Kimura, holy shit, guys, go out of your way to watch some Bison Kimura. She was like so great in this. Um, what did you think? Um, I enjoyed the whole match overall. I honestly, my highlight was just watching all the variations of power bombs that Toyota combat Toyota did in this match. Like mm. so many different styles of power bombs. It was, like, incredible. There was one toward the end where she uh, picked the girl up while she was facing a different direction and then spun her around to give her the powerbomb. I thought that was incredible. Uh, I was watching so much wrestling at the time, nothing really stands out specifically about this match outside of the variations of powerbombs, but... There was a bit to me that I remember stood out where there was... I I liked it because you basically had, like... Uh, a smaller girl in Kudo teaming with the big monster in Aja Kong against the big monster in Combat Toyota and the, the smaller girl in Bison Kimura. I mean, Bison Kimura is still pretty fucking tough, but still had, like, a good contrast to it. So you had the big, like, throwing bombs, like, crazy hoss, women's hoss fight between um, Kong and Toyota. Like, I really like those... Um, those exchanges Um, i did like the bit where at the beginning when uh aja teased the dive like she ran like she was gonna do a a big dive on everyone that that was good yeah um who did who did that big gnarly butterfly suplex off the top was that pretty sure that would have been kudo actually i can't remember i'm not gonna guess here um but yeah bison did did one thing that was amazing sorry guys i'm disappointing everyone yeah, tell us now. We need to know. <laughs> it may or may not have been Bison Kimura or Megumi Kudo, but I'm going to say it was one of the two. But it was gnarly and it was super rad. Yeah, and there were a bunch of, like, we, we saw sort of like the feud developing with the exchanges between Kudo and Toyota in this one, which was really cool. Um, but there was like a bunch of stuff where like Kudo tried to get Toyota up for stuff 
and she's just pretty fucking big, and it just didn't quite happen. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. But well, that kind of stuff makes it great. Like the struggling, like especially like the toward the end, the struggle on the the power bomb off the top rope to get the the right. end of the match, like that. That was rad. It looked. It made it so cool. Like I just feel it's so much more impressive when you're seeing the struggle and you see stuff be a bit rough, rather than if everything's just smooth and clean, as as a lot of stuff today. It's like it's not as impressive when you've got like, like remember that like Ricochet Will Ospreay match and just like everything just felt like a fucking choreographed dance. It was kind of like that. It was like the opposite of that, really. Where just the roughness kind of like makes the stuff that is impressive even more impressive, I think. If that makes yeah, sense. The actual struggle to get shit done makes it look more realistic. Whereas when you see a guy jump up into a guy's face for a power bomb, it's like, oh, okay, I see all that going down. Hmm. Um, but the finish on this was really great. This is the one I got confused from the last match about how. Um, Kong goes to give the spinning back fist to um, I can't remember whether it was uh, Bison Kimura or Combat Toyota, but then they move out of the way and she's spinning back fists fucking um, kudo, and it was like one of the harshest back fists I've ever seen in her in my life. I swear she must have broken her nose on that one. <laughs> it looked brutal, man. And a lot of stuff looks stiff as fuck in this match, but like that particular, I remember seeing her when she like hit her with that back fist. Like, I like sort of like jumped up and like, I have this weird thing when I see something real stiff like that, I'll just start like laughing. Like, <laughs> like, <there's laughs> like that wasn't fun. Like, hyena sort of laughing. And the dogs got a bit um, nervous. It was a bit too much for them. <laughs> I, I always love an Aja match because I'm a big fan of her uh, her splash elbow drop where she climbs up and mm-hmm. then just drops off the top rope. That's that's so cool. Somebody somebody needs to bring that back. Oh, so much of what she did was so cool. Um, but and and how nuts is it? She's still delivering fucking top notch performances like to this day, and we're putting over a match from fucking 1995. Uh, oh sure, I yawned for a second. Yeah, that's really actually credit to her. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, or, she's been having high-profile, great matches since like the mid '80s, and now it is the twenty fucking twenties. How does that work? Ridiculous. She feels like she hasn't aged in the last twenty years either. Generally speaking. Black <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you want to check this out, guys, uh, 21st of December of 1995, um, Megumi Kudo and Aja Kong versus Combat Toyota and Bison Kimura, uh, hot damn, uh, and yeah, just check out all the Bison Kimura you can, because she deserves more credit in terms of, like, all-time greats. And then, we came to the big one, the big blow-off. The biggest FMW show of the year at the famous Kawasaki Stadium. Uh, this was the co-main event. Imagine that on a fucking like men's show, like in Japan at the time, they're having a co-main event with like women. So that shows like just how much Onita like saw in the value of these women and didn't just have like a women's division for the sake of having a women's division. Like he actually believed in them and you could see that through the match in a lot of amazing ways, but we'll talk about that 
uh, in a little bit. But yeah, so this was um, Combat Toyota's retirement match. It was built up beforehand. This was their last last six months. Now, like going down, doing their last matches, all of the last matches that she wanted to do. And then the final one was against her best friend from those rookie days that she's had all of this this um, history with, um, Megumi Kudo. So Kudo against Toyota in her retirement match on this, like, huge fucking, like, 50-something thousand fan spectacle at Kawasaki Stadium um, in a no-rope, electrified, exploding barbed wire match. So Something else, man. Kind of boring, I watched though. this... What? <laughs> I thought it'd be funny to say it was boring after the way you described it. Exploding. <laughs> Built it up a lot. No, I um I watched this the other week and I was like, holy shit, I feel like this may be the greatest women's match I've ever seen. This may even be better than that fucking Yumiko Hota versus Akira Hokuto match that I just fucking adore. Um I I don't even know right now. I don't know how to which I put above the other, but I watched it and I was like, holy shit, Jeremy, have you, are you familiar with this amazingness? And you, I don't think you'd seen it ever before. Had you? Had not. Had you heard about it? I had heard. I, uh, had seen some imagery and, uh, combine Toyota is always looks cool in pictures. So it's one of those striking wrestlers to look at. And, you know, and I mean, sometimes Kudo was a very stri- attractive lady as well. Well, that too, but I just sometimes charisma just comes off the page in pictures, and that's and mm-hmm. combat definitely has that. Uh, I really like this match, especially. I'm not normally like a big fan of like pre match interviews all the time, but these ones are just like were so great, and the message they oh. were sending like uh, Toyota wants to, you know, impress Onita, and uh, uh, Kudo was like just not even like. Most of her match she goes into, it's about some sort of vendetta or anger. And this time it was just about respect and just wanting to have a great match, at, you know, for her retirement or yeah. for Toyota's retirement. So, yeah, just great. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I felt like the the um, those interviews at the start just put you in sort of like a mode for it that like was like, oh, this has got like a special kind of vibe. And like trying to put yourself like back in that time as well, when like FMW wasn't even on TV, but they just had this like amazing underground support. They had like all of the magazines, like all the pro wrestling magazines that were huge over there at the time, were like just doing all of these big crazy photos in the magazines of like these insane like death matches and stuff, and Onita bleeding and barbed wire and all this. And obviously, like, the, the women deathmatch stuff is, like, a pretty visual spectacle. So it was, like, pretty huge appeal in the magazines as well. Because it's like, holy shit, you know, it's kind of changes a lot of people's preconceptions of what women wrestling can be. Um, so, yeah, like, this was enormous at the time. And just, like, to think about that, like, fucking 50,000, 60,000 fans going to Kawasaki Stadium. And this is one of the main reasons that they went. It's a pretty big deal. Like, I can't think yeah. of anything in, like, American women's wrestling history to, to be anywhere near that. Um, I don't know. That Candice versus uh, 
What was the match? Alicia Fox? Yeah, Alicia Fox is what I was trying to get. Damn it. Oh, but um, no, this just had like a special vibe going into it, I guess I'm trying to say. And there was like the idea as well that you're like watching someone's last ever match. Like that's pretty big. Even if like, you know, the amount of times Onita came out of retirement and stuff, but still, it's like a pretty special deal. And uh, I think Toyota maybe came out of retirement once or twice, but not in a very high-profile way. When Kudo retired, she never came back, and apparently she had heat with Onita for that, which I read. Um, but... Yeah, just the idea that this is their last match is against like a best friend, all this history they've had over the years. It's just felt kind of right, and it's in such a spotlight position. And like the entrance music, I fucking love Kudo's music. Did oh, yeah, the, whole, you? the presentation was rad, dude. Uh, and I honestly, I haven't seen a lot of exploding barbed wire death matches, so it uh, was pretty exciting to finally sit down and really watch one of the greater ones, especially the way you put it over. But yeah, the, the whole presentation is cool. The music's great. And then honestly, I, I figured this is how it would go, just the way they would tease the the ropes so early in the match. It's like, it was always just pushing through the ropes. But oh, they built it, it up wasn't so cliche. Well. It was great. It was like definitely fighting back from underneath, you know what I mean? And I, I think that I like FMW the most because you watch these death matches and they like got an epic story to them, um, as well as the way they build. Like a lot of deathmatch stuff you watch these days in like GCW and shit like that. It's like just, just like as many like spots with the weapons as fast as they can, just to show that they're tough. Whereas this was like actively building it up so much better and so much in more epic fashion so that when it actually happened and and I think it was Kudo when Kudo hit those barbed wire exploding ropes for the first time, like it felt like holy fucking shit. Like it felt like a real moment. Like did that first was, one get you? Oh yeah, especially because how cool it was at the time Kudo was trying to be invasive and get away. So she rolls out of the way and then turns around and gets a big kick and goes right into him. Yeah, the timing of it was perfect. But yeah, the first time I watched this, I think it was like, do you remember like those Tokyo Pop video releases? Uh, no. So it was like a thing where I don't know it was some chain over there released the like a bunch of it like best of fmw basically and had like just these crazy over-the-top names for them pretty similar to like that gross deal that ccw has at the moment where they had all those ridiculous names for like best of shows oh they turned them into pornos yeah but so this had just like the worst american commentary you would ever hear on it <laughs> it overdubbed over the top on this tokyo pop version um but i remember even the guys they were just like shocked <laughs> like the violence of it and stuff but yeah i watched it for the first time in not the best way like that but then like re-watching it properly with like the, the subtitles and like just the japanese commentary was there even japanese commentary i can't remember um yeah there was i, I could have sworn some japanese okay but yeah just like such a amazing presentation here but i feel like there are other people who probably like get that tokyo pop kind of like reference um but yeah man um 
the slow build to this was like so epic and and like just the work in between like it didn't feel like they're just doing you know shitty wrestling (coughs) until you get to the big spot it was like it just felt like a struggle from start to finish yeah and uh i again more awesome power bombs which is just seems to be the repertoire of combat brutal hey yeah and like that ring looked like it was concrete yeah it was really stiff uh the big the big suplex after one of the wire uh there's a they go in the wire then they did a big suplex right after that that was freaking awesome and then their one suplex almost looked like a freaking backdrop driver she like went directly on her head oh yeah, the the one that um the big one to me was that that power bomb that Kudo gave to Toyota near the finish, where she just like dropped her straight on her head. Yeah, that's why I was I had it typed down. I'm like, it looked almost like a Ganso bomb, like yeah, just delivered it straight down. And then a freaking vertebraker, which was freaking cool. Well, that that is her um her finish. The the Kudo driver, she was the one who invented yeah. that, as far as I know. That like homicide got it from and and shane helms got it from as the vertebraker uh such a cool move but like way more cool when you're like doing it to someone like as big as combat toyota it was impressive as all hell oh dude um this is uh we might have to cut the podcast short soon because alicia just came in and she with a dirty look she wants to go to sleep oh all right (laughs) Well, I feel like it's time to wrap this up anyway, but uh, to finish up on this match then. I apologize. No, no, no. I feel like this has gone for a long time regardless. So it's reached its organic end and its inorganic end at the same time. Um, But, yeah, I obviously love this match so much. The bit where she fucking, like, gets German suplex, basically, into the barbed wire ropes and a big explosion. Oh yeah, never she was going forget for, like the hip attack almost. Like she yeah, was yeah, she's trying to German her, and then she reversed it, and then Kudo comes running off for like the running hip attack, and like they both go into the wire together. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, and the single tear when Toyota first hits the ropes from Onita in the front row. Oh my oh, gosh, yeah. that was great when they cut to him just enjoying the show. And really captivated by it. Yeah, but like great. an actual tear rolled down his cheek. Like, you can't get it more perfect than that. <laughs> I wonder how, if they had the cameraman on him the whole time. And like, we're going to get a tear. We're, we're not going to be able to cut to him when he cries automatically. So we're going to have to watch him for a while, guys. <laughs> Onita strikes me as the kind of person that could just cry on demand at any moment. If he needed oh, to. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. But, uh... Do you know he was like a legendary sex icon and like had sex with more women than like anyone in Japanese history or something? <laughs> I believe it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember I hearing that from someone. I yeah, I mean, rightfully so, really. He's yeah. got that that look in his eyes. Um the other <laughs> amazing bit about this was after the match, when both girls are just fucking dead, Onita comes into the ring and, like, he's just really angry at everyone for not, like, appropriately taking care of them. So, like, no one's got the water or anything in time and they're, like, passing a towel and he angrily, like, throws a towel in their face and he's like, give me some fucking water! And then he, like, starts getting water and, like, pouring it on the girls and gets this big bucket of water and just throws it on Toyota, like, so fucking hard. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was great. <laughs> this was a scene and a half. And uh, then, like, he's just, like, slapping Toyota real hard to, like, revive her. I was watching this with my buddies the other night who don't watch any, like, women's wrestling. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's just wailing on her. <laughs> Wake up, bitch. <laughs> oh, it was definitely a, a scene that I'll never forget. But, yeah, I love this match, and this may be my favorite women's match of all time. It just, everything about it was perfect to me. I I could not imagine a more perfect women's exploding barbed wire death match. It's up there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like we should shut this down, but we've got a, a real exciting thing uh, that we want to mention in the close of the show here. Guys. I don't know about you, but um, I received a pack in the mail the other day, and it was one of the best things I've ever seen. It was just like the most deluxe pack of like ball shaving equipment that you ever did receive uh, from <laughs> the, the great guys at Manscaped. They sent us out for this podcast fucking like these amazing deluxe packs of shit. We got like ball razors we got ball fragrance we got like a ball refresher thing that just makes you feel a little bit more energized uh we got briefs we got a shirt we got a newspaper oh. there's a carrying case which implies that you need to shave your balls on the go which <laughs> i like i think is delightful <laughs> oh the case just looks so fancy like i just want to like have my little little razor and my little pack of shit and I can who knows where I'm gonna be, but I'll I'll have a fresh sack wherever I am. I I've always been a man who manscaped as they say, it's a beautiful name for the product and the company. Uh and there were times where like, you know, sometimes you there's an errant hair, you might go in there mm -hmm. and try to use a scissor to eliminate that bad boy. And uh, nay, nay, my friend, uh I personally have nipped myself that area bleeds quite vigorously it does with, with this little razor no more ball cuts amazing um yeah i was so happy to receive this i mean the idea i feel like this is a big moment for our show guys just saying the idea that uh we are getting free shit of this quality oh that highly recommended so there's some verbiage here i think i should be reading uh support for Grown Men Watch This Shit is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Lovely. Oh, yeah. listen to that. Do we have a code or anything? Uh, yeah, actually, they were nice enough to hook us up with a code, so all of you listeners, if you use the code suplex at manscaped.com you'll get a 20 percent off your order and also believe it or not free shipping Ooh. so you get everything chris mentioned and at a discount so you can't beat that you can't Clean up beat your that. balls you want your balls to be fresh you want ladies like fresh balls if you're gonna want your ladies down by your junk why not make the uh the situation or the experience as delightful as possible yeah i actually recently um had someone give me a compliment on having just like really nicely shaved balls and i was like this is like the best really you you too can get that compliment you know it's a nice feeling 
Th that legitimately, before I ever used Manscaped, was a compliment I got from my girl. It was one of my very first sexual experiences. The girl goes, you have really nice balls. And I was like, oh, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, use our code. You can have nice balls like me and Christopher over here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm also a big fan of the shirt. It's like the only shirt that so succinctly tells people that I just have a really nicely, freshly shorn sack and gooch. Like none of my other shirts <laughs> say that, but this one does. So it's nice. Very, very nice. I actually, the, the shirt was a little too small for me because I'm a, I'm a more of a double XL kind of guy. But the the boxer briefs were actually really soft, and I did like them. None of, that's not me just chilling. That's the truth. Yeah. Big fan of Manscaped here at Grown Men Watch This Shit. Uh, so you can be a grown man who shaves that shit. And uh, why not go to Manscaped and uh, get it with that nice little discount code? Sounds yes, good sir. to me. Um, all right. Uh, other than that, we have our normal thanks to the great guys at um, Social Suplex, the Social Suplex podcast network who make all of this lovely magic happen. Uh, other great shows such as uh, One Nation Radio, Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, All Elite Show, Keeping It Strong Style, uh, many others that I can't even remember. All of that at uh, socialsuplex.com. Let's hope all those shows are still on the network and Kristen just plug three shows for guys who have dipped out. I have done that before. I think there was six yeah. months in a row where I, yeah. Who knows? It's hard to know. Hey. Well, thanks for listening, ladies and germs. You can catch me at James Vanderbeek, at J-I-M-S Vanderbeek on both Twitter and Instagram. If you need a shirt design, get at to me. Yes, do that. He is a talented man. Uh, you can reach me at Chris Things on the Instagram, at Chris Things on Twitter. Enjoy all of the wacky wrestling art, uh, which I'll have a, a lot more coming to you on a more regular basis in the near future. Uh, so thanks for supporting that for all you lovely people out there that do. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast for two hours. Going on six minutes. Wow. Oh, get swifty, Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.